Welcome back to Execute. So today's episode is going to be straight up coaching and mentoring you on the things that are coming up for you as you're moving in your business, answering your questions, giving you the answers so that you can stay in motion and not get caught up in the the mental drama and the trying to find answers and the trying to figure it out. I want to make sure that you've got answers to the questions you're asking and can keep moving. So let's jump in. The first question that I'm going to be answering is around non-payment. And I'm going to try and answer it fairly broadly because this is something that we're going to come up against. We come up against in all kinds of different guises. So the specific question is how to politely chase a payment from a client. The invoice for the design fee has been sent. There's a site visit booked, but the payment hasn't come through. You're going to see this kind of scenario in all sorts of different ways. So you might have sent out an invoice so you can get started on concept work. You might have sent an invoice for a consultation. A client might have said they want to go ahead with a consultation, but they haven't paid. There'll be so many non-payment scenarios. So in answering this, I want to be broad so that you're, you're prepped, you're covered for whatever comes up. So the first thing is terms and conditions. So whatever service you're selling, whether it's your full service, bespoke interior design, or whether it's a lighter touch, one-off consultation, you need to have your terms and conditions locked down. Make it super clear what your terms of payment are, how payments need to be made, when you will raise invoices. If it's a consultation, I would be taking payment up front. So we definitely don't want to be sending invoices out for small, light touch consultations or services. Anything like that, we want to have our payment system set up so that when it's booked, the payment comes in, you've got the money in the bank, and then you can go ahead and arrange the logistics of it. If you're in an invoice scenario, then make sure you're super clear on your invoice about the payment terms of this. So some accounting systems will automatically put 30 days or something super long. For a small business, five days is totally reasonable. You could even write, you know, payment on receipt. So really think about your terms and make sure that you're invoicing in good time so that you're giving that client a day or two just to to settle payment and make sure it comes in and make sure you're being clear and that it's completely set out in the terms and conditions that you're sending to them when they sign up to work with you. The next practical thing that I would have in place is what in automated payments we would call a dunning sequence but you could apply this to any kind of non-payment so if you google dunning sequence you'll get some great examples but it's essentially a series of emails that you would send out to a customer or a client when something hasn't been paid and they can start being you know very friendly and hey we've noticed this hasn't been paid just wanted to check in there may be a reason that this hasn't happened um be great if you could settle payment at your earliest convenience they then increase so you would go from something that's kind of friendly to you know in terms of our payment or in terms of our terms and conditions you are responsible for paying our invoices within 5 days we can see that this invoice is overdue, please settle it. 
we you could have something that is then the next one which is slightly more formal so it would be something like you know as a reminder you have signed an agreement or you've signed up to our terms and conditions which commits you to paying the charges owed or the fees owed i attach a copy of the agreement for your reference or i attach a copy of the terms and conditions please be advised that we take non-payment seriously as it stands we've booked a meeting or we've reserved capacity in our studio for your work please settle this payment and we can get on with that work so you can see that over a sequence of you know maybe three four emails you go from kind of friendly and chatty and hey this might have you know slipped through the net just a reminder please make payment to a more serious you have signed you have committed to pay us here's a reminder of that commitment please make sure you settle this and you can have all of this set up so in an accounting system like zero or quickbooks you can have automated email reminders to go if an invoice hasn't been paid you can set up you can customize these similarly if you've got a payment system where you're taking payment in advance for a service you if a um, card payment has failed you can have a, an email sequence that goes automatically so this is very kind of practical steps on the back end that you can take to make sure that you are getting and calling in the money that your clients have committed to pay you. What I would also say on this is we don't want to do any work, pass over any deliverables, attend any site meetings or consultations that we've said we'll do for payment until that payment has been made. If the payment doesn't come before a meeting, we cancel the meeting and we just make it super clear to the client that you know, payment needs to be made ahead of the meeting. That is, you know, so normal. My dentist does this for me. <laughs> so it's just about communicating that clearly and not feeling that pressure to, oh, well, I don't want to disappoint and I don't want to let them down. And, you know, we've arranged it. Yeah, it's, it's a pain if you have to cancel, but it's just a simple making sure that you've put enough space around your process. So the payment gets made, you've got time that if it's not made, you've got, I don't know, at least 24 hours notice ahead of that to, to cancel the meeting and do something else with your day. But we don't want to waver in our standards on this. We shouldn't be giving anything over to a client, any expertise, any creativity, any time, any deliverables, anything, if we haven't been paid for doing so. So absolutely start with the the polite, friendly email, but then it can go, it can escalate and it can become firmer. And that is just part of being a responsible business owner. It's part of the systems that you're going to set up and have within your business that mean that the first time this kind of thing happens, it feels stressful and it's what do we do and we're chasing the invoice. This is now an opportunity to look at the processes that you've got and put something in place as automated as possible, to be honest. But the other way of doing it is you could have your email sequence just written on a Google Doc if you're manually sending them out and personalizing them for clients. But I would definitely advocate for automating as much as you possibly can. Um, and then just, this just becomes a system that you have within the business. And we should never, ever apologize for being responsible with our systems, with our money, with our cash flow and communicating really clear to clients that we, we take that seriously. 
Cool. I hope I have answered that question. I hope the money comes in. I hope it all goes ahead. Um, let me know. So the next question that I've got is around a tricky client. Uh, the question is, I the client has been quite tricky about certain elements of the project and sent a rude email to the contractor who then contacted me to say he wouldn't be spoken to like this by her. And as the middleman, it was my responsibility, the designer, to let her, the client, know that this isn't OK. So how do I keep both of them happy without getting stuck in the middle? I love this question. So question back to you, which is, are you really the middleman? Who is the contractual relationship between here? Because if the client has a direct contract with the contractor, and sure, you're passing information to the contractor, you're giving drawings, you're giving finishes, there's a close working relationship between all the parties. But if the contractor is not in contract with you for the work, and the client is paying you for the contractor's work, then technically, legally, morally, you are not the middleman. You know, there is a direct relationship and the contractor needs to put on his big boy pants and deal with this directly with the client. Here is the thing with tricky clients. It's really easy to fall out of love with them because they can be difficult, they can be demanding, they can have so many questions, so many revisions or requests, a lot of stress and drama. And they can, this stress and this trickiness can, you know, they can seem totally cool and totally normal at the beginning of a project. But as things go on, as the stress of living in a building site or spending a lot of money increases, so too does their stress levels. And so the, often we can find that spinning onto us, spilling over into the client is starting to take this out on us, or in this case, the contractor. So the first question to be asking when you've got anything like this kind of scenario with a client being, being tricky, possibly being a bit rude, being a bit demanding, it's not cool, but are you charging enough for that access to you and for the fact that to a certain extent, you're going to be absorbing that stress. You're going to be holding that stress and that energy throughout the, the months of the project. You know, when it's a full service, several months, if not a year long project, your clients are getting a patch of land in your heart. You care about them, you know them, you know their families they are getting a lot of mental bandwidth, a lot of problem solving, and a lot of you holding their stresses and energy as you go through. And if you undercharge, you're going to feel resentful because there's an imbalance between the amount of energy and expertise they're getting and the amount of money you're getting. And when someone is paying for a premium, fully bespoke service, they should be getting your fullest attention. Of course, this is how you want to look after your clients, but you need to make sure that you're charging enough for this. There is a saying, when emotions are high, intelligence is low. And I absolutely find this in interior design projects. The most normal, cool, lovely, friendly client can become freaked out, nervous system overloaded, simply because it's a stressful process for them. 
And it then takes a lot of emotional intelligence from you to hold that stressed out energy and guide them through it to say, yes, this process is hard. Yes, we're in a difficult moment, but we are creating something amazing. Hold that vision together. We're going to get through this. Your, your space is going to look incredible. You know, we've got however many more weeks to go. It's going to be great. And this is where we are the one leading the client and to an extent leading the whole team, even when there is a relationship, a direct relationship between the client and the contractor, we want to bring our best energy to all of it and have that super high emotional intelligence that allows us to say, come on guys, we're getting their bigger picture. It's going to look incredible. We've got this problem, but this is how we're going to solve it. This is what's coming up next. You know, you can see where we are now. Next week, we're going to be doing this. It's going to be amazing. Your energy, your certainty, everybody's going to borrow from that when they are feeling that doubt and that wobble of, is this all going to be okay? And part of this confident leadership is about setting it up so well from the start letting the client and the whole team, the contractor, anybody else involved, know how the service works, how they can access you, what expectations you have of them, how the relationship is going to work with everybody involved in the project, what the lines of communications are. It's with that clarity up front that you establish boundaries. You establish boundaries and standards for the way that you expect to be communicated with and expect all the communications go. So if you're not doing this and you encounter problems with clients and communications, then it's completely on you. But if you've communicated your boundaries and your client oversteps them or does something erratic like sending a rude email or blowing off on site or just, you know, they the, the stress overcomes them, then you can just go back and remind them of what you communicated at the start. Hey, just reminding you, you know, we're all working for your benefit. We all want a fantastic result from this. This is how we're going to get to that. So really a question to ask yourself is, are you setting your clients up well? Are you setting up an empowered working relationship on both sides and a constructive process that you and they and anyone else in the project will love. And again, are you pricing your services appropriately for the amount of input and energy that you're giving over to them? And do you have the confidence? Are you demonstrating the confidence to hold the energy of those premium paying full service clients? Are you demonstrating the confidence and the certainty that you can be their rock when they are wobbling? Are you able to hold them to the vision of what you're together creating when all they can see is a messy building site, large sums of money going out of their bank account? This is really when you need to step into your power as a leader so that you're the one remaining unruffled. This is where your own growth and emotional intelligence really comes into play. You know, I have lots of conversations with clients who've had very scarring experiences with their own clients and are wary about taking on another client. But what I find is if you cross check these points, you're setting 
the relationship up for success. You're getting the project off to the best start and you can start creating these client relationships and wider project team relationships really well. The final point that I would add on this is that when it comes to our content, our marketing, our sales process, the conversations that we're having with clients before they actually become a client and a project gets going, this is really an opportunity to communicate our standards around the way that we work, our expectations of our clients, how the project will run smoothly, so that the people you're attracting and the people who are requesting a proposal for you and considering working with you, they know exactly what they're getting when they sign up to work with you. And I genuinely believe that aesthetic and price will play a part, absolutely, but it will be your professionalism and your expertise and authority that will often be that deciding factor that will let a client feel safe and feel, yes, I want to work with this person because I, I just know that it's going to be a good experience. I can tell that they are going to lead this process well. So really look at that every opportunity you've got throughout your whole sales funnel, marketing sales processes to communicate the standards that you expect throughout the project. Whew, okay, I went um, <laughs> went long answer on that one, but looking forward to hearing from you how that gets resolved. Um, actually, one you know one final thing just to say on that is is another thing just to check is where we can feel ourselves going and deviating into people pleasing and taking on problems that aren't ours to solve. So coming back to, you know, am I really the middleman? Are you? I'm not, it's not clear from this, but in answering that question, reflecting on what is it that's making me step up and think, oh, I have to solve this. This is my responsibility to keep everybody happy. How can I keep everybody happy? Really thinking, is, is that your job? Is it your job to keep everybody happy? It's your job to deliver the work, to deliver the project. And, you know, as a cool leader and operator, you want to be demonstrating your expertise and keeping all the relationships flowing smoothly. But it's not your job to make sure that everybody is happy. Okay, last question. So this question is around consultations and came on the back of, if you're listening to this in, in real time, as I'm releasing this middle of May, um, on the back of an article that was in the Financial Times about the fact that a lot of interior designers are now offering lighter touch consultations, which it's not news to me because I've been talking about this for a while, but it was essentially an article talking about how this is operating, how lots of people are doing Zoom consultations now. And as you guys know, I've long talked about having options for your clients as part of a wider business model, as part of your Ascension model of having a suite of services. Now, before we get into what you know the the question which is what these might be and how to price and so on what i really want to stress is that understanding that you can offer different priced services fuller service lighter touch some kind of hybrid where there's a bit of you know 
bespoke work and energy, possibly an in-person site visit, but it's not a full service project, right down to something incredibly light touch. There are all sorts of options for this. What I really want to stress is that you absolutely do not have to create a full service suite of offers overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. I would so much rather you were crafting something that you love to deliver is so thoughtful and well-considered in solving your client's problems as opposed to rushing and just churning out services that you don't love, eat up your capacity. Nobody's really buying because they're not really understanding what it is because you've not th thought about the problem it's solving or the, the right messaging so your clients understand why they need this service. That just creates a whole amount of energy and not a lot of result. So we want to be really intentional. If we are introducing any new service at all, we want to be so, so intentional about what is the problem it is solving. Why does a client need this? How does this build on your own expertise and what you love to do and what you have capacity to do within the studio? And will also lead in to your other services. So for example, if you are doing a, a Zoom consultation, which was the example given in this Financial Times article, how are you structuring and marketing that service? And what is the offboarding from that service that if you're doing a one hour or a two hour Zoom call, answering somebody's questions, you know, playing around with their floor plan, giving them some ideas, for example, what is the offboarding process for that? So when it comes to the end of the call or a deliverable afterwards, a follow-up email, whatever you're providing, that you're giving the client that invitation if they don't want to go it alone from here, if they've become so inspired and wowed by everything you've suggested that they actually want to hire you to do it all properly, we want to make sure that we're making it really easy for them to take that next step. You know, consultations can be fantastic as a one-off service anyway, but what really works beautifully is when we're strategic about creating offers that will flow from one to the next. Not every client who does a consultation will become a full-service client, and they won't, and even if they do, they won't immediately. They may not have a project, but some will. And so we want to be really mindful of creating that clear pathway so that if they do a consultation and they want to take that next step, you are there and ready and it's it's obvious how they can do so. Likewise, if you have a full service client and you've done the whole project and it's all been wonderful and it's all finished, how are you keeping in touch with that client? So down the line, they don't need an entire project doing, but they may just want a, a lighter touch consultation or a one-off room or a smaller piece of assistance. How are you keeping in touch with them and making sure that they absolutely know they can come back to you and you're there and ready with a service for them. So this is about extending the lifetime spend of every client and keeping people in your world, making it so easy for them to come back to you, to know how they can take the next step, to know how they can return and work with you again. So inside Aligned for Growth, module two, we go into this in a huge amount of depth so the kinds of 
things that you might want to offer in terms of consultations, in terms of lighter touch services, the things that you might include, how you might think about pricing them. We talk about that in depth inside module two. So definitely uh, an opportunity there to go back and refresh your memory on that. But what I will say here on what to include is just really start from the place of what do you love to do? Where can you have the biggest impact whilst having the most fun in the delivery? We don't want to be offering services that feel heavy, that if somebody booked them, we think, oh, oh no, <laughs> a consultation. We want to be creating services that feel so exciting to us to deliver. So it's absolutely worth tuning into what that means for you. In terms of what to charge, we want to come back to our value-based pricing principles. So what is the value of this service to the client? This isn't about well, my hourly rate is X, so therefore a one-hour consultation is going to cost X. No, if every single client you service is going to take up some bandwidth, some administration within the business, and you would expect a lighter touch service to be priced at a higher rate than what may be the commensurate hourly rate on a full service project even though we're not pricing by hours, you would expect the fact that there is going to be time, thought, admin, you're taking on a new client, that all needs to be reflected within the price of a lighter touch service. But essentially, it is about asking, what is the value of this service to the client? We don't want to be looking at what others are doing. We don't want to be looking at other consultation rates. We want to be starting with us and our business. So what do we need to be bringing in to the business to make it viable for us even to offer this service? How is this going to contribute to our overall revenue? And how much of these services can we actually offer without it pulling on our capacity to deliver a bigger service? So it's really worth running those numbers. But when we come back to then what is the value, consider the value of the features that you are including in this service, the expertise that they're tapping into, the energy of yours that they're getting, the tangible deliverables that means that they're able to move forward with their project. And really ask yourself, what price would you feel really good about? You know, we don't want to feel heavy when somebody books this service. And we've gone to the, the energy and the effort of crafting a service. So we want to feel really excited when somebody books it. Remember, powerful sales come when everybody wins, when the client feels great about what they've bought, that they've got the information, they've got the input, they feel so excited that they can now move forward. And you feel great because you've helped the client, you've given them information, you've helped them out, and you've been paid a fantastic price for your energy and expertise for the amount of time that you're with them on this service. So we really want the price to be aligned for you and for the client. You want to be pricing from that highest part of you that feels super empowered and so in belief of your own expertise and what 
you're allowing this client to tap into all of that training, all of that experience, all of that expertise, all of that creativity, all of those visits to those showrooms, those suppliers, you've got all of this behind you and you're allowing this client through a light touch service to access that. So what is that worth? Okay, I'm gonna leave it there. As I say, module two of Align for Growth goes deep into this. So definitely go back and check that out again if you're thinking about crafting a, a lighter touch service or, an, or adding in a new service into your Ascension model. We're gonna wrap up here. I would love to hear your feedback on these episodes. I would love to know what's landed, what's resonated, what you're working on, what you're implementing, what you're taking and running with, how the, the feedback, the advice, the wisdom that I'm sharing here is supporting you. Send me all of it. I, I love to hear it. And send me your questions. I'm here to serve you and answer them. And, and really, you know, the questions that you're sending are fantastic. They really are. So as soon as the reminder comes out to send in a question send it in do it on time because as soon as the deadline is passed my team passes me the questions I have time pre-blocked in my calendar to create the recording for you and then it goes back to my team and into production for release to you as a podcast episode so if you don't submit on time I'm not going to get your question it will go to the next month so send in your questions as soon as you get the reminder definitely before the deadline get the support that you have paid for. It's been such a joy making this episode for you and I will see you on the next one.